Hello and welcome to Habemus Popham episode 80, St. Leo II. So last week, Pope St. Agatho died in January of 681 AD. And his successor, St. Leo II, was elected shortly thereafter. But it seems like it took a very long time, over a year, for his confirmation. And I've read a couple of different reasons why this might have happened. One is that there was contention in the election, but there doesn't seem to be any physical evidence for this. Another reason is that the papal legates in Constantinople had another job besides representing the Holy Father at the Third Council of Constantinople, which we talked about last time. Their other job was apparently to try and make it easier for the Pope to be confirmed and maybe convince the Emperor, who seems to be in a good mood, to remove the requirement of confirming the Pope altogether so that the Pope can just get elected and then be consecrated Pope. He doesn't have to wait for some Emperor to say it's okay. Now, these negotiations might have prevented the confirmation of Leo II since the Emperor would have wanted to wait until they were complete before confirming anyone or before anything could happen. Or maybe this is what happened. The council was wrapping up. Leo wrote to the emperor announcing his election and waiting for confirmation. And the emperor just waited to send the legates back until after the council concluded. And by that point, it was winter. And then, you know, it took him a while to get back. So whatever happened in August of 682, Leo II was finally consecrated pope. Leo II, like St. Agatho before him, was of Sicilian, which means probably Greek origin. Apparently, he was quite learned. He was well-versed in Greek and Latin. He was a great teacher and lover of learning. But we are also told that St. Leo loved to sing. Apparently, he was really, really good at it, and he loved liturgical music. In fact, he translated the Te Deum, which is the, the famous hymn of praise, from Latin to Greek, and he introduced it into the Greek liturgy found in Rome at this time. It's really a beautiful hymn. It's attributed to St. Augustine and St. Ambrose. And the story is that when St. Ambrose baptized St. Augustine, they both, both burst into song praising God, and that song was the Te Deum. So who knows if that's actually the case, but it's still a beautiful ancient chant. And since we don't hear too much of it anymore, maybe we can just listen to a little segment of it right now. Now, it's really fascinating to hear explicitly about St. Leo's love of singing and chant because at this point in papal history, there's a huge influence of the Greek liturgy in Rome. The Greek side of things had become more and more prevalent. The Latin side was always very sober and very minimalistic. But here, this incredible increase of Greek influence on the Roman people led to much more elaborate chants and liturgies. And we'll talk more about that in future episodes, but just need to note it right now. Now, in Rome, 
Leo II commissioned or permitted the construction of the Church of San Giorgio in Valerbo, which is one of the most ancient parts of the city of Rome, and it's the second church on the stational pilgrimage during Lent. It's a, a, a neat little church. You can go check it out. But now back to the main part of the story. With the letter from the emperor confirming his election were also copies of the Acts of the Third Council of Constantinople, which Leo II promptly confirmed and forwarded throughout the Western Church. Now what's interesting in these letters is that though he confirmed the Acts of the Council, his condemnation of Pope Honorius is slightly different than that of the Council of Constantinople. If you remember from last year, we read the list of anathemas that the Council gave. And in that anathema was the anathema of Pope Honorius. So in his condemnation of Pope Honorius, which we find only in one of the letters to the Spanish church, he writes, With Honorius, who did not, as became the apostolic authority, extinguish the flame of heretical teaching in its first beginning, but fostered it by his negligence. So it seems like here, at least in this letter, he is accusing Honorius of not intentionally teaching monothelitism, but he didn't stamp it out when he ought to. He was negligent. And so that's why we're condemning him. So it seems like Leo II twisted or changed the, the reason for the condemnation of Honorius to make it more based on what Honorius did as opposed to just flat, flat out saying he's a heretic. And by the way, the reason we have um, the letters to this particular Spanish church is that their bishops didn't make it to Rome for the council Pope Agatho called before the Third Council of Constantinople. So the popes wanted to make sure the Spanish bishops were on board, so they wrote these letters specifically to them. Now, this marks really the end of monothelitism in the church. We're going to hear about one more time, but very, very briefly. It's basically gone. We've been fighting it off and on for a really long time now, since 10 episodes ago when we first talked about Pope Honorius. And the church has reaffirmed the universal teaching of the apostles, that there is one person, Jesus Christ, with two complete natures. He is fully God with a divine will and fully man with a human will. Thank God. Thank God we've settled this question. But no worries. There are still plenty more heresies to go. We are not out of the woods yet. We're still even today. St. Leo II died fairly quickly after being named Pope. He passed on May 23, 683. And he was buried in St. Peter's Basilica and succeeded by the 81st Pope, St. Benedict II. And we will talk about him next week. Thanks for listening to Habemus Papam. You can check out the rest of the Catholic Bites podcast at catholicbitespodcast.com, or you can find us on iTunes. Thank you and God bless. <laughs>